You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Joining me today is my friend, Jamie Keach of resourceinsider.com. He has a service where he finds and puts together deals for accredited investors to invest in private companies, as well as publicly traded companies that are doing financing. And Jamie, welcome back onto the show. Let's talk how you performed in 2021. A lot of the investors listening uh, to us out there, you know, it was a a tougher year. I had some three and five baggers myself, even a 10 bagger at one point, although it wasn't realized. Mm -hmm. But I also had a number of 50 to 60% losses. And sometimes if I reference that, people hear and say, what what is this guy doing? 50 to 60% losses. Well, my three to five baggers offset those. So I was uh, net positive on the year, but... What are some of your thoughts about last year and its challenges? So last year was actually a really good year for us. And I can get into why that is. I actually think probably some of the best deals, I'm going to say the best deals, but we did a couple of really good ones the first year. But I would say many of the top 10 deals we've ever done were done in the last 12 months. So we did... um, I think it was eight deals last year at Resource Insider, and we invested in a range of commodities from precious metals, from lithium to copper, um, lots of different things. And what we did last year is we did almost the exact same thing we did when we launched Resource Insider, which was in 2018. So in 2018, as you will recall, Bill, no one gave a shit about mining. No mining companies could finance. Uh, It was, you know, we were just starting to like peek our head out out of the really the worst of the bear market. And when Resource came in, when Resource Insider, uh, our service came on the scene, there were very few financing options for exploration companies. And we were able to go out and we cut really, really good deals. Um, I think we did five or six deals our first year. And of those five or six deals, all of them except one were private deals. And we had to wait patiently um, for about... 12 to 18 months. And even after our first year, our portfolio was down because the one gold deal we did was actually down the first year. So it wasn't, you know, it was not looking very good on paper, but I was very, very confident in the underlying fundamentals of the companies that we invested in. And, you know, skip uh, ahead from sort of when we were doing this, which was late 2018, early 2019, to obviously March 2020, when things really started taking off. This is where we made a lot of the biggest returns that we've ever made at Resource Insider. This is where we had, you know, two, three, five, ten beggars, all that sort of thing. But we had to be patient to get them. So skipping ahead to last year, 2021, we saw a little bit of this again. Uh, the shine had obviously come off gold and precious metals by, you know, mid uh, mid 2021. And people at the beginning of the year, I don't think could really quite start to appreciate what was happening in copper. So we did, um, I believe it was off the top, I had 11 deals, no, nine deals last year. Of those nine deals, four or five of them are still private. Um, And of the ones that are public, we've got winners and we've got losers. But I think we've positioned ourselves as a portfolio to see really, really strong returns over the coming years. So uh, I think our total 2021 returns were about 7%. Um, however, again, all those private deals are counted as 0% returns because they're not listed or trading or the price is not moving. Uh, we've had, uh, one or two that are down by, uh, I think 30 or 
One is down 16%, one is down 60%. And I think that's a deal you and I share in our portfolio, a uh, silver deal. Thanks for reminding got, me. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also got some that are up, you know, five, 600, 700% as well. So they do tend to balance out. But I think what certainly what I consider when I'm investing my own money, what I know Resource Insider members consider, and we've talked about a lot with our members, is these investment opportunities, they do not they're not designed to build returns on a four month or six month timeframe. We're typically taking 18 to 24 month views on these companies because you know, you're providing these companies with the seed capital, with the catalytic capital. We're coming in, often will the company still private or shortly after they're listed. We're providing the money for them to go out and do what they said they're gonna do. So whether that's uh, run an exploration program, whether it's you know, build a mine, whether it's improve an operation, what have you, doesn't really matter. We're providing that capital for them to go in and do it. And you've probably figured out, Bill, and I'm sure many of your listeners as well, like mining is not a business that tends to move quickly. You know, projects take time to come to fruition, to create, to add value. And so we 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 take those value, we take that time. And that's why if you look at our total portfolio uh, from inception over the last three years, you know, we're up uh, something like 125% on the whole. So you know, we're consistently getting returns that would be outperforming many of the best hedge funds in the world. Uh, but, you know, we take a multi-year time frame for doing this. So what did you learn most in the last year? As you self-critique yourself, what would you do differently? Yeah, if I, well, again, I think what we did last year, uh, we executed really, really effectively. I would say almost perfectly on what the Resource Insider mandate is which is finding deals that investors can't find anywhere else. Our real strength where we really consistently got the best returns is in investing in private deals that are six to 12 months um, away from listing, providing that sort of seed catalytic capital that companies need to get over the hump into listing into actually operating or, or executing on their program. And the reason for that is, it's really hard to raise private capital. Uh, you know, the junior mining market in particular is really designed around public markets. The, the most of the available money is available in public markets, but often companies still need money before they can list. So it allows us a, an unusual niche uh, to go in and to get, I would say, frankly, really, really strong terms because in a lot of times we're the only game in town and we don't charge commissions. I don't take finder speed. We're not, the company doesn't have to pay me to go raise money for them. We're looking for genuine, great investments to put our own money into. So I never take any fees from the company. So we're able to go out and cut these good deals. So we did that in 2021. And we're, I think, going to be really reaping the rewards of that in 2022. Looking back, where did we make a mistake? I would say there is one period where we uh, overplayed our hand in Resource Insider. And that was in the gold run of the summer of, of 2020, right? And this was when gold was kind of ripping up from 1400 all the way to 1900 and then above 2000. We did a series of deals um, in, in that summer, uh, kind of in rapid succession. And now again, we're very conservative. I'm very conservative in how we allocate capital. I do often, especially if I'm gonna do a series of gold expiration deals, I do small bets on each of them and I kind of consider that as a portfolio. But what we saw in that period is that small portfolio or rather that quite large portfolio of, of small gold exploration companies 
And we were getting in with full warrants. We were getting in often at 50% discount to what the, the company was trading at. Many, many, many of them are underwater right now. Uh, you know, they've been hit harder than anything else in our portfolio at any given time. And so my, my one takeaway from that, um, and I knew this going into it, but, you know, it's you kind of, you know, you get stars in your eyes in the middle of a gold bull market, but it's you can't chase a commodity. You need to position yourself in a commodity before that commodity takes off. You know, we were early in gold and we made a lot of returns in gold from the from the deals we did and silver, for that matter, from the deals we did in 2018, 2019. We were early in copper. We made a lot of money in the copper deals we did in 2019 and 2020 and 21, for that matter. Uh, we were early in lithium. Uh, we were very, very early in uranium. You know, we're seeing, I think, almost 300% returns on average in our uranium portfolio. But we had these one, two-month period where we did a couple of these little gold deals. Um, and that's where we see, if I look at our portfolio, uh, where I see the losers, it's almost entirely in that period. Jamie, I remember you coming on this show and saying it about that time that you were looking for deals, but you're only going to do deals at a discount. So what you're saying is even when you did it at a discount, a steep discount, just because of the pullback in the junior equities, you're still a little under the, under the water. So we did one. A great example is Norsemont Mining. Uh, really, really a fantastic asset in Chile. Huge deposit, uh, you know, past producing mine. Very cheap valuation at the time. Particularly cheap for us because there was a warrant. And we were literally investing at 50% of the price. So it was the stock was trading at, I believe at the time it was $2 and we invested at $1. Um, that got cut in half from a dollar that got cut in half down to, I think uh, it was about 60 cents at its low. We've since kind of come back and it's around breaking even right around a dollar again now. Um, but, you know, it took uh, a year and a half for it to do that, right? And, th and that just goes, show, goes to show you when the bottom falls out of these commodity markets, um, everything gets hit hard, even things with good teams, even things with good assets, even things you thought you were getting in at a really, really good price. You know, never underestimate the ability of a junior mining stock to go lower than you think it can go. That's right. Okay, so you positioned your subscribers in lithium, um, copper. Did you uh, get any part of the uranium run-up we had this last year? Oh, yeah. So we um, absolutely crushed the uranium run-up. So we um, did a series of uranium investments in 2018. We built a portfolio of uh, about, I think it was about 15 names. I have to double check that. But when I look across that portfolio, we're up about 300%. And we've started starting to slowly exit part of the position. I do think, you know, we've got a ways to go in uranium yet. But I also think when you're up 300%, you know, it's time to take a little bit of money off the table, certainly take your cost base out and then it's sort of all upside from there. Okay, so we've been talking about the past. We're, we're to learn to the, from the past, to apply to the future. You said we need to get positioned before those initial run-ups. Where are you positioning your subscribers? I can see you, you lining me up to talk about uh, what you know I'm doing right now, which is in the carbon credit sector. Uh, so this might sort of sound like a departure for someone who is a mining engineer and has spent you know, their entire career either working on mine sites or you know, investing in and helping run and build mining companies. But I started getting interested in the carbon market in 2019. And it was slightly before that time. I'm going to take a step back. Uh, I'm gonna, I was sitting in Singapore 
with my partner at Cap, who, who runs Capitalist Exploits. His name is Chris McIntosh. We were talking about where do we want to be focusing our money over the coming, call it five-year period. And this was in late 2018 or no, it was in early 2019 to, to be specific. And we kind of figured where I see a flood of capital coming is in the net zero investment, right? This is the, the, the move from every major government, every major institution, all the big capital allocators, all the big hedge funds to move to a net zero future, right? And this is, uh, it's not zero carbon emissions, but it's net zero carbon emissions, which means the amount of carbon that is produced every year is the same as the amount of carbon that is consumed every year by trees and other sort of sequestration sources. So we that was the driving force for us to start investing in copper, in lithium, in nickel, in cobalt, in things like this that we've been looking for and talking to and investing our own money in for the last several years now. And in that process, we came across carbon credits. And carbon offset credits, voluntary carbon offset credits, are basically credits that are generated um, by an asset. And that asset can be many different things. Uh, the most common and the most well-known are forestry and nature-based projects. So these are uh, essentially the conservation of trees and forests or um, the creation of trees and forests, planting new trees. And through uh, a quite a rigorous certification process, these things can be certified to generate carbon offset credits that can then be sold to anyone that's um, creating carbon, right? So this can be the Amazons or the Microsofts or the Exxons or, or whomever, any sort of company or individual that wants to offset their carbon emission. And what struck me about it was that the price was escalating very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, two or three years ago, carbon offset credits were trading at under a dollar per credit. Um, when we really started diving into this in earnest at the beginning of 2021, they were trading at about $5 per credit on average. Today, that number is closer to $10 per credit on average. And you're seeing this very, very rapid price escalation. And then what we have are the major institutions, the institutional analysts, and even sort of the private firms that have spent decades in this space, they're predicting that the price of this commodity is going to be going to $40 a credit or more. And the reason for that is there's a huge, huge supply crunch, right? So right now, the entire carbon offset market is somewhere between, depending on who you ask, because it's quite opaque, $100 million to $300 million per year. So that means every carbon credit that's sold, maybe it equates to $300 million a year. When you do the math, when you hear about all of these carbon emitters that are committing to a net zero future, so when you hear Microsoft or Amazon say, we're going to be net zero by 2030 or whatever the date that they give, the way they're going to have to do that is purchasing offset credits. Because you know even if every company in the world switches to windmills and solar panels and never burns an ounce of gasoline again, you know, there's still a huge number of, of, of processes, chemical processes, and just facts of daily life that produce these things. So when you hear these companies say, we're going to hit net zero, it means they have to buy offset credits. And right now, there are commitments for millions and millions and millions and millions of these things right now. So, I mean, 
conservatively, people are estimating that this market is going to be a hundred billion to $150 billion market. This is the, the voluntary market we're talking about, this right? This is just the voluntary offset market. This does not even include what's going on uh, in the compliance markets in Europe or California or Quebec or any of these places. So you've got this like perfect storm situation, right? You've got a true sort of um, s- sort of supply crunch, a massive amount of demand. And unlike basically any other commodity that I can think of, you've got the most powerful players in the world that have basically colluded to drive the price of these things up, right? You've got every government, you've got every sort of major capital allocator from the Black Rocks on down saying, you have to buy these things. We're not going to invest in you if you're a dirty polluter anymore. We're not going to be buying your iPhones or using like it. It's everyone saying they have to do it. So it's becoming a cost of business for companies. So when we kind of saw this situation, uh, we looked for the best way to play it. And, you know, I think I think we've actually found it now. And this is the deal that I'm working on right now. And I'm investing. Frankly, this is the biggest personal investment that I've ever made into a into a company. Okay, so when you take on a new venture, you do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. What are some of the weaknesses or threats to this investment thesis? The weaknesses or threats to this investment thesis. Yeah, I've given you a good idea of, of the strengths. So what are the weaknesses? I would say the number one weakness, and I, I don't think that this is a, a real one, because, but it, that the, the world sort of shifts gears, right? That they decide that the math on going green, going carbon neutral, doesn't add up, uh, and that they're not going to do it anymore. They're going to continue to reinvest into oil and coal and gas and what have you, and they're not going to make these companies have these commitments. Now, that may happen at some point, but I don't think it's likely. I certainly don't think it's likely over the next five to ten years. And it's because, I mean, Bill, I'd ask you this: like, have you ever seen? such a consensus amongst governments, corporations, media outlets, investors, like the big, big investors that they need to go net zero. Like I've never seen a trend with such momentum behind it. It's like, and I look at it, it's like a giant, you know, steamship. And it's like, you're not going to turn this thing around or stop it anytime soon. This has been a big, big global consensus, like big, Hedge funds and 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 mutual funds and you know private equity firms are prioritizing net zero investments over profit, over profit. These are people whose little sole job is to make their LPs profit, and they are prioritizing net zero over that. So think about where the consensus has gone. And I would say to yourself or people listening. As investors, you shouldn't be thinking, well, I don't believe in global warming or I do believe in global warming. That That's not the right question to be asking here. What you should be asking yourself as an investor is, do I believe that this is happening, that all of this money is being poured into solving this problem, the, the carbon problem? And if the answer is yes, then you should be considering how you're going to position yourself to play it. So this is your biggest way to play 2022? Is that right? Yeah. So we're calling this Project Carbon. Uh, we just launched it today. Um, if you're not uh, on our newsletter, you can send me an email. It's just jamie at resourceinsider.com or you can go to resourceinsider.com and plug your email address in there and you'll get all the information. But we've 
we've we've been involved in helping finance and launch a company that is solely designed to play the car carbon offset market. Uh, it's going to be a royalty and streaming company. And for those in the precious metal space, you guys are probably, or who are investing in the precious metal space, you're probably very, very familiar with the wheat and precious is of the world and the Franklin Nevadas and the sandstorm golds. These, these mining royalty companies that have a very simple model where they give an upfront payment for a portion of future revenue, or in the case of a streaming company, a portion of actual gold uh, produced. And this company is going to be very, very similar to that, except it is pre-purchasing carbon offset credits uh, for an upfront revenue or for an upfront payment rather um, from the developers that are actually actually producing these things. That and, you then I resell, mean, Jamie? You that the company would then resell. That's right. Uh, or so that depends. Are you a wholesaler a essentially? Would that be another term you could apply to this model? I wouldn't call it a wholesaler, no, because you know the real beauty of a streaming and royalty company is that streaming and royalty companies are one of the most loved type of companies by capital markets, right? So when you look at a Franco Nevada or a, a Wheat and Precious. They're often trading at what's called two or three times NAV. So NAV is net asset value. It's the value, the actual value of those streams, right? If a stream is worth a million dollars, you put it into a public company. If it's trading at two times NAV, well, it's going to be trading at $2 million. So that allows these companies to trade at real premium. It adds a lot of value for shareholders. And you don't see that in mining companies, for example. Mining companies are often trading at 0.7 or 0.75 times NAV because People know in a mining company, there's huge amounts of risk. Things get delayed. Uh, resources are wrong. People screw up. Governments take the mine, whatever. And the shareholders are left putting the bill and paying for cost overruns and all the, the things you might expect. Royalty companies don't really have that same issue. They have no operating obligation. So yeah, the mine can shut down, but it doesn't cost them anything to maintain it, to keep it on care and maintenance, to do all the sort of things a mine would have to do. So the market loves uh, royalty and streaming companies, and they trade at really premium valuations to pretty much anything else. Okay, so a low overhead business model here we're talking about. Low overhead. So I would say a truly asymmetric business. You have real upside, right? You're getting the cash flow from the royalty stream. You're getting the price exposure to whatever that commodity is. In this case, it's carbon offset credits. In other cases, it might be oil, it might be gold, what have you. And you're getting that financial multiple. Uh, so you have real asymmetric return potentials and your downside is massively capped. So they're really, really robust businesses. Okay, last question. Um, Resource Insider was started to give people access to deals. So this is all about access to deals in this burgeoning carpet market. What makes you the go-to company for access to deals here? So what makes us the go-to company for access to deals? Uh, well, first of all, you know, it's our full-time job. It's entirely what we do. There are certainly other newsletters out there, but to my knowledge, there are none like us. So we sell our newsletter um, purely to accredited investors. And, uh, you know, it depends on where you are, what that means. In the U.S., it typically means you make over 200000 a year or you're worth a million dollars excluding the home you live in. So those are, those are rules set by the government. But if you meet those rules, then you can do something called private placement investments. And that's investing into private companies or it's doing private placements on publicly listed companies. These are called pipe deals. So this has been our focus for the last three years, um, three and a half now, actually. And we've done over 30 deals in that time. We've had over 125% return. If you've done every deal in that time, 
And so we have a track record of finding great deals for the members, for our subscribers, uh, and we invest our own money in everyone. Why specifically in the carbon space? The carbon space is really a burgeoning space, and a lot of it is getting birthed now, these sort of public vehicles getting exposure, but out of Canada, out of Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, I'm situated right in Vancouver. I've looked at probably almost a dozen of these deals uh, over the last year. There are lots of people looking to get into this space. The one that we have found is by far uh, the best that I, I, I've seen. It's got one of the strongest team. It's got a strong portfolio of assets. They've partnered with people in the carbon space. They're working with them that have decades of experience there. It's not some fly-by-night uh, sort of mining promoter just trying to flip into a carbon deal and raise a bunch of money and you know get on with their life. This is a real company. So I think I've answered your question. <laughs> I think you have. Well, Jamie, thank yeah. you for stopping by and letting us know how you performed last year and what you're up to now. Again, if you want more information, go to Jamie's website, resourceinsider.com. A link will also be in the show notes. And Jamie, will have you on uh, later this year to keep track of your progress. All right. Thanks a lot, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.